This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Welcome to our Squiz the Election series, your shortcut to the 2022 federal election. We've covered off the ins and outs of the race for the House of Reps, and it gets a lot of attention because that's where the government is formed. But we'll also be casting a vote for candidates to represent us in the Senate. So in this episode, we'll get across what that's about and what's happening in the race for the Senate this time around. I'm Larissa Moore. And I'm Claire Kimball. The Senate, it's the upper house of the Australian Parliament, also known as the House of Review and the state's chamber. But it's not just a tick and flick body, Claire. It's where a lot of the big political battles and negotiations take place. Yeah, it's an arena for true political nerds because (laughs) what happens there is so important to what ultimately becomes the law of our land. Uh, It's a bit off Broadway because it's the House of Reps that gets all the attention uh, and because that's where the Prime Minister and the opposition leader go head to head. So when it comes to running the country, we learned in school how it works. For a bill to become law, it must be agreed to by majority vote in the House of Representatives and the Senate and then be given royal assent by the Governor-General. That should be easy work in the House of Reps because the government usually has a majority. But in the Senate, it's a different story because the government of the day rarely has a majority in the upper house. In fact, it's only happened twice in our history and the last time was under John Howard between 2005 and seven. And what that means is that the government of the day needs to negotiate with other parties and independents to pass legislation. Claire, just explain why the government rarely wins a majority in both houses, because you would think it would happen more, especially if the government wins a ton of seats in the reps. So there's a couple of things to note there. First is us Aussies, we're a cautious bunch. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is very common for voters to not vote for the same party or type of independent candidate in both chambers. It's Australians exercising their own bit of a check on power. Uh, And the second thing to note is that the voting method uh, is different for each chamber. In the Senate, it's proportional voting. Right. So in the reps, it's preferential voting. One candidate is elected from each electorate and that's the person with the majority of votes. In the Senate, you're choosing more than one representative per area. Yeah, at a run-of-the-mill federal election, we're electing six senators for each state uh, and two in the ACT in the Northern Territory. So the system Australia uses to do that is called proportional voting and to be successful, you don't need to be supported by a majority of voters in your state or territory. You need to receive a quota Uh, which is a set percentage of the vote. Now, Claire, I've been paying attention again. In an earlier episode on this podcast, we said there were 12 senators representing the states and two from each of the territories. But you just said we're voting for six state senators and two from the territories. So the Senate works on a system of rotation, which sees half of the Senate up for election every three years, if that's the sort of election that the government has decided to run. Uh, The only thing to note with that is that senators from the territories get three-year terms, not six-year terms. 
midterms like those from the states. Uh, So they're up for election every election. Uh, But long story short, what we're facing this time around is a stock standard half Senate election with 40 of the 76 spots up for grabs. And proportional voting in the Senate has resulted in more independent and minor party senators being elected to the Senate than in the House. Let's get across what that looks like as we head towards this election. Former PM Paul Keating once called the Senate unrepresentative swill when he was having a hard time getting his legislation through. But the Senate has more political diversity than the reps, which, as we've already talked about, has 145 of its 151 MPs coming from the major parties, so the coalition or Labor. Yeah, that's right. And the last term of government is a really good example. Uh, In the Senate, the coalition had 35 seats and Labor had 26. The next biggest party is the Greens with nine. Uh, And then we get into the minor parties and independents. Pauline Hanson's One Nation had two seats. The Jackie Lambie Network had one, Jackie Lambie herself. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Liberal Democratic Party has one. That's the Northern Territory's Sam McMahon, who defected from the coalition. Uh, The Centre Alliance's Griff Sterling uh, was there too, as was Rex Patrick from South Australia, who used to be with the Centre Alliance. To get our maths stack hat back on, to have an outright majority in the Senate, you need to hold 39 seats. So the coalition is closest with 35, which means the government has to get some of those crossbench senators on side to get legislation through. And that's happened with the most recent term of government. 378 bills have been assented to, 71 were knocked back. Uh, And because the work of the parliament is never finalised and done, there were 195 bills before the parliament in various stages when the election was called. Uh, It will be up to the new government to sift through that. So in the lead up to this election, there's been the usual politicking within the major parties as candidates jostle for those winnable spots. Yeah, like pre-selections in the House of Reps, there's a whole process the parties go through to pick their candidates for their Senate ticket. It can be a tricky process because measuring their performance can be tricky. Uh, Because senators don't have an electorate that they're directly responsible for, their measure of success can come down to pure politics within the party at the time. And it is the party who effectively decides whether or not they will get a spot in Parliament. And that's because they do a calculation about how many votes they're expected to get. And as we talked about, how many quotas they think they will receive. And that's where you might have heard the parties argue about winnable Senate spots. Uh, They basically know how many quotas they'll win. uh, So those pre-selections are essentially the day when the candidates find out if they have a job for the next six years or not. Yeah, and it can be a bit fraught when a sitting senator who wants another term isn't given a winnable spot. We saw that with New South Wales Liberal Senator Connie Ferraventi-Wells a few weeks ago. Yeah, she did have a bit of a spray at her party (laughs) and Prime Minister Scott Morrison about that. In New South Wales and other states, the coalition run a joint ticket, so they have to divvy up the spots between the Liberals and the Nationals. And that means some Liberals are pushed down the ticket when those can candidates believe they should be placed much higher and therefore have more of a chance to win a quota. Claire, what else are we looking at in the Senate this time around? 
So there's a couple of things. The race in the ACT is very interesting. It usually elects a Labor and a Liberal candidate, uh, but this time around there's some prominent independent candidates. There's academic Professor Kim Rubenstein uh, and former Wallaby turned social activist David Pocock. Uh, And in South Australia, Nick Xenophon is back. He's been blasted by Senator Rex Patrick, uh, his former running mate, and he's been working for Chinese telco Huawei. So a couple of races to look out for. All right. So in the ACT and South Australia, a couple of interesting Senate races to watch. That's enough on the Senate for this episode. I'm so pleased you injected proportional voting into the mix on top of preferential. Thanks for that, Claire. (laughs) You're very, very welcome. Uh, We'll get on top of all of that before we go to election day. Don't worry about that. Uh, We're going to be doing it, so we might as well understand it. I was going to say, I bet there are going to be some questions coming in about that one. What is next? What's our next topic that we're going to cover? Let's do political donations. We've touched on it a couple of times, but let's get into that because it's something that comes up every election about the rules for donating and criticisms about that system. Sounds like a plan. And remember, you can ask the squiz about the election if there's something from this episode you'd like to know more about, hem proportional voting, or if there's something on your mind that's been talked about during the course of this campaign, stuff you're seeing in the media, send it through to us at hello at thesquiz.com.au and we'll pick the best questions or the most popular questions for the week and unpack that on a Saturday morning in our Ask the Squiz podcast. Thanks for listening. Until next time. This week, our podcast is brought to you by Aware Super. Sometimes it can feel like retirement is a long way off, but whether it's two years or 20 years away, it's important to make sure your super fund is working for you. Aware Super is one of Australia's largest super funds and offers heaps of free tools and tips on its website for Aussies looking to get their super sorted and put a plan in place for their retirement. Read the PDS and TMD at aware.com.au.